wanting and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. No place I would rather be. Silently with the microphone. Uh, let's uh, let's listen to him, and then uh, we'll worship him. Father, we come to you this morning, just worshiping you, praising you, thanking you. You are everything we need. And I pray that we will allow ourselves to be filled with you this morning. Let your spirit move within us. Lord, let us remember that whether we're here on a Sunday morning or we're at work on a Tuesday or with friends on a whatever day, eating outside, that you are present, you are working in us, you are ready to move, you are ready to just... uh, Give us the best stuff possible. And I know it is often hard, and, and it seems you ask a lot of us, Lord, to help us to remember this morning as we turn to you, as we praise you, that there is no better place than in your midst, in your service, uh, walking with you hand in hand. So we thank you, Father. We praise you. Uh, we look forward to more of this, uh, this amazing adventure you've got us on. Lord, we look to just serve you in all we do. We thank you for that love that you give us that we are undeserving of. And we look forward to your presence today. No matter what we feel, good, bad, anxious, at peace, might we know that you are with us and you love us more than anything. We praise you, Father, in your name.
Good morning. Ooh, just a little. Guys, uh, you know, we're going to make it quick this morning. We got a couple announcements, so it's going to look a little bit different. Uh, passing of the peace, we're going to have enough time for that at the beach baptism today. For those of you guys who don't know, we are, ha- we are leaving straight from the church, running over to the beach uh, right after church ends. And where we're going to meet, if you guys don't know, is going to be the Toronita. Is that how you say it? The Toronita Park. If you guys aren't familiar with that, it's off of South Atlantic Avenue. Don't worry. We're going straight from the church there, so we'll be able to tag along with one another and, uh, and, and follow it. So anybody who doesn't know how to get there, you can tag along with us, and you'll, and you'll find your way there. Uh, we're going to go there straight after the beach. That's why you'll notice somebody's a uh, couple guys in here wearing shorts. Garen was a little, he, I came in this morning, he's like, hey, why are you wearing your shorts? He's like, so I don't look like how you look right now. No, I was kidding. Uh, you know. Make sure that we, uh, we provide the, uh, the elements and stuff like that there for you guys at the beach. Guys, next week, Jeff Hendricks. Jeff Hendricks is going to be here. And we want to get you guys excited. Um, for those of you guys, again, who are watching online, we want to encourage you to be here. Uh, you know, this guy, I mean, uh, Garen has nothing but good to talk about him and how awesome he is. And, uh, and one of the things that Garen had mentioned was uh, last time that he had a... Uh, you know, seeing him uh, preach, he had to cut the cameras off because, you know, um, just the dangers that he was going to go into for the next mission that he was on. And so be excited, come ready, come with hearts prepared to give as uh, we're obviously going to be uh, helping out with a love offering for what God's calling him to do. He's going to be coming, looks like he's going to be, he's going to be coming with his two boys as his wife is due uh, very soon. She's expecting it. So she's probably going to be, uh, if not then, delivering a baby very, very soon. All right. Uh, the last thing is giving. We're going to see a couple of different giving options here on the screen that you have. And again, the service is going to be kind of plowed through this morning because we want to be able to make it to the beach as soon as we can. Guys, here's what I want to remind you about. I was reminded of a story today as we're going to be heading straight from the church to the beach. And some people might get lost out somewhere. They might get lost going back to their homes instead. And I'm reminded of, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe as a, as a pastor, David Wilkerson was talking about how he was involved, where his church was, that there was gang members all around. And as there was a baptism going on, you know, one of the gang members had related, he said, hey, look, when we join a gang, we get jumped into the gang. That's how gang members join, they get jumped in. He said, but after these guys are done beating on you, as soon as you get up, they have the most love and the most respect, and you know that you have a family. Like the way that the gangs treat each other, that's why people are so loyal to these gangs these days. Is because when you're in a gang, like it's like this. And he said, and the church is so different. He said it's not the same. And so this mo- this morning, this afternoon, as we head over to the beach, quote unquote, we got some people getting jumped in, and and we need to be there for them. And we need to let them know that they have a family in us and that we're here for them and that we're a loyal church and we're a loyal people. Uh, and so anyways, that's pretty much my nugget for you guys today. Let's be there and, uh, you know, be there or be square is how they say it, right? So let's be there today. But yeah, you're going to see a couple different ways you're able to give online. And so with that being said, let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have that you've given for us. Lord, for the, the wonderful blessing that we have, not only to give for your kingdom, but Lord, to see it in action you know, this morning, this afternoon, Lord, as we head straight over to the beach to get some people join in, you know, so they can say, hey, look, I'm, I'm a part of this group. And so, Father, we thank you for this time. We bless it. And we ask you to just be lifted up. And it's in this name that we pray. Amen. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. That's why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? The world needs your God flavors. The world needs your God colors. The world needs Hey, things you don't think about uh, when you're uh, telling everyone to wear T-shirts is that your your little thing doesn't work well on a T-shirt. You're my microphone, so I'm I'm with this today. So 
Yay. Um, bear with me. Bear with me. Let me get things set up. So, have you ever, uh, if you are, yeah, most of us here will remember. You remember uh commercial that went, sometimes I th- I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I want to be. Anybody? Who are they talking about? Talking about Michael Jordan. It's a Gatorade commercial. If I could be like Mike. Remember they had the little kids and they're all doing the little. And uh, And so Michael Jordan, fascinating creature, isn't he? I mean, he was a beast on the court. Michael Jordan was unstoppable on the court. There was this one time where he, they were playing Utah Jazz in 1987, and John Stockton, this little, well, I say short, he's like six foot, but in basketball terms, that's pretty short. John Stockton is guarding Michael Jordan and not doing a very good job. And there's this one time where he spins around and just leaves Stockton in the dust, and Michael Jordan just takes care of business. And as he is running back down to play defense, he hears a heckler in the crowd say, Hey, Mike, why don't you pick on someone your own size? And so the very next play, he takes the ball, and he goes down, and he dunks on six foot eleven Mel Turkin, and as he's running back, he says, was he big enough? <laughs> I mean, he was unstoppable. For 13 years, people tried to figure out one main thing when they played the Bulls. How do we stop number 23? I mean, this was the roster. And I imagine most of us could name at least two or three people, right? I mean, you got Dennis Rodman, you got Michael Jordan. You got Scottie Pippen, and that's where half of us drop off, right? I mean, we don't know Tony Kukoc or Longley or Harper, and we definitely don't know some of these other people that's like, I've never seen that person before in my life. Well, it's because their average game point percentage was like between one and two points a game. They weren't really factors in the game. But there would be coaches in back rooms for weeks before they played the Bulls, trying to figure out one main thing. How do we stop Michael? And we know we can't stop him, but how could we slow him down? How could we make it as difficult as possible for him? Because we know he's going to do his thing. He's not going to let up. So we have to be prepared. And so even though there are 13 or so on the roster, we're focusing on this one because this one is a game changer. This one is the one that determines the course of the game. This one is the one who will most likely determine the outcome. And so if we can stop this one, we can stop all of them. You know, the Bible says that we have an opponent as well. And, and sometimes the Bible uses the word accuser. Um, in the Hebrew, it's hasatan. Uh, sometimes it's um, the evil one. Sometimes it's the devil. But we have an opponent, don't we? We have an enemy that is trying to wreak havoc in our lives. Are you the kind of person that the evil ones are talking about in back rooms? Are you the kind of follower that people are saying, man, we've got we to gotta stop him somehow. He's going to win everyone to Jesus if we don't stop him. We've got we to gotta watch her. We've got to put multiple things on that girl because if we don't control her, she will set this world on fire for Jesus. We've got to do something to stop that person. Is that you? Is that me? Are you being... A spiritual factor? That's the question. So we've been, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, right? We've been in Matthew 5 through 7. And here's your challenge this week. I want you to read Matthew 5 through 7 twice this week. 
That's a chapter a day and you get a day off. But I want us, as we are focusing for weeks on Matthew 5 through 7, I want you to have it so well read that you just know what's coming next. So in Matthew 5 through 7, we have this sermon that is taught by Jesus. And then we have this beautiful example. Matthew 8 through 20 is this sermon that is lived out through Jesus. And we see Jesus fulfilling many of the things that he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 8 through 20. It's a beautiful thing. And so today, we're going to veer a little bit off of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, but it's dealing directly with Matthew um, 5, 13 through 16. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 19 today. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. So just to give you just a quick summary You've got the the New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those are primarily about Jesus, the life of Jesus, the, the suffering, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And then right after that, you come to this book called Acts. Some of you in your Bible, it'll say the Acts of the Apostles. And what we have is we have this book of the Bible that talks about the history of the early church, the birth and its growth how the church began and how it multiplied, and that's what we find in Acts. And Acts is full of extraordinary stories. I mean, if you want a good book to read, read the book of Acts, like in Acts chapter 3, when when Peter and John are walking to the temple and this guy is asking for money. He says, we don't have silver or gold, but this is what we have. In the name of Jesus, rise up. And the guy walks. Like, like, like extraordinary things like, like Acts 9 when there's a lady named Tabitha and she dies and Peter goes in and he tells her to get up and Tabitha is raised from the dead. Or like in Acts, uh, what is it, Acts 9, when you have this guy named Saul who encounters Jesus on a road on his way to Damascus, he's going to persecute Christ's followers and he has this extraordinary encounter with Jesus and it changes his life forever. And so we're going to be in Acts 19. And let me just set up the story for you. The first part of Acts 19 is talking about what's going on with, with Paul at this moment. And, and you have, Paul is being so, is so spirit filled that uh, the scriptures talk about, there were people that would even bring handkerchiefs or aprons to, to Paul. And he would touch them and then they would take them back to sick people And that person would be healed. This is the type of extraordinary thing that we're talking about when we get into Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 16. So are you with me so far? We've got these extraordinary things happening. God is moving through God's people, and amazing things are happening. And then we come to this passage, Acts 19. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. And they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. So you got these guys, and they're going around, and they're basically doing this type of exorcism. You with me so far? Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. So you got these seven guys. But one time when they tried it, The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. That's a bad day. So, just to summarize, you've got these seven sons of this Jewish priest named Skeva. And these seven sons are going around and they are performing these exorcisms, if you will. And they are calling out these evil spirits. And they come to this one point where they say, hey, we've heard about this guy Paul and he's doing some extraordinary things. What if we were to tap into that? And we'll just say, you know, we'll, we'll use that name of Jesus as well and we'll, we'll credit Paul for it. And so they say, hey, in the name of Jesus, you know, the, the one that Paul knows? Come on out. And the evil spirit lets them have it. I know, I know who Jesus is, 
You don't have to tell me who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is. Paul is, Paul is someone that we got people in the back room trying to figure out how do we slow down Paul. But you, I don't have a clue who you are. Which leads us to the question again. Are you being the kind of Christ follower that is making a difference in the world for Jesus? Are you the type of follower that the demons are in the back room saying, we got to find a way to stop Jason. He's out of control. He is following Jesus with all his heart. And if we don't do something, that whole area is going to be turned over for Jesus. we got to stop Jilly. If we don't stop her, she's going to get all of her neighbors saved, and then we're going to have a real problem. We've got to stop you. Are you that type of person? Am I that type of person? I think if a lot of us are honest, we'd probably say, you know, I don't know that I am that kind of person. I love Jesus. I asked him into my heart, but I'm not really, to use the metaphor, I'm not really in the game. I'm not really putting much points on the board. I'm on the team. I mean, I got the jersey and I got my number, but I usually watch from the sidelines. I'm in the chair right by the court. And I think one of the greatest indictments of a Christian could have it said, I know Jesus. And I know Paul. But who are you? I don't know you. You've never really been much of a factor in this spiritual thing that's going on. I mean... We've never really had to worry about you. You've never given us trouble. I didn't even know that you were on the team. No, we don't know you. Now, full disclaimer, you know, when we're preaching, we try to, we try to get to the heart of the Scripture. And it's a big word that we call exegeting. It's like exodus to take out. And so we try to get into the Scripture. We try to pull out what's the truth. And I want to be honest there is nowhere in Scripture that we hear that these sons of, of Sceva ever had a relationship with Jesus, that they ever gave their lives to God, that they ever did anything. They were simply Jewish men that were going around to a Jewish community, and they were casting out evil spirits. They were performing their Jewish exorcisms. So full disclosure, they're in a little bit different boat than many of us here but I can't help. I don't think any Christian can help but ask, is that me? Am I that ineffective for the kingdom of God? Am I an unknown variable because I haven't done anything for the kingdom of God? It's scary, isn't it? It's scary. So I have a friend, and uh, he's a pastor out west, and he's got a friend, so it's a friend of a friend. You with me so far? His friend pastors a Nazarene church in Brazil, and his name is Flavio. And uh, I don't have any reason to tell you. I just like saying Flavio. No, I'm kidding. I do have a reason. So there's this guy named Flavio, and he's a pastor in a Brazilian Nazarene church. And so one time my buddy was asking me, he said, hey, what's the difference between, like, U.S. church and church in Brazil. And he was like, oh, yeah, there's a big difference. You know, you, you Americans, you like your 60-minute sermon and your two songs, and we're going to have a 20- to 30-minute sermon, and then we're going to all be out in time for lunch. He said, that's not how it is in Brazil. He said, in Brazil, when service starts, we will usually spend at least an hour of the first part of the service praying said people will come in they'll come down to the altar and we'll pray for them and we'll pray over them we'll pray for their family we'll pray for their friends we'll pray for anything that needs to be prayed over and that goes on for at least an hour and then we'll get to the singing and that could go on for 45 minutes to an hour to two hours however we feel i mean it's 
it's just we just follow the spirit and then a guy will get up and he'll do the sermon before the sermon so he'll have like a mini sermon which is only like 20 or 30 minutes long and then the real the the real sermon will start and that's anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and that's usually how our services go they're at least a couple of hours and that's just the way it is that's the way we think about it we don't care and then he told my friend he said except for on fridays on fridays we have every friday a service where we cast out demons we cast out evil evil spirits and he said in brazil voodoo and witch doctors these are very real elements in our society and so we will have people come and we will pray over them and we will cast out spirits in the name of jesus and we will we will fight back the evil in our community and what flavio is talking about is a situation that's very similar to what the people in the day of paul were dealing with see in in the days of 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 paul they had a very different mindset than a lot of us have and they believed that there were spirits everywhere they believed that there were good spirits and there were evil spirits and they were all at play all around you and they were everywhere they were in the sky they were in the stars and the moon they were in the ground they were in the water they were everywhere the spirits were there and so you were constantly fighting the spirits you were hoping for the good spirits you were trying to fight off the evil spirits they're everywhere which is why words like paul in philippians 2 are so important when paul says you know we have this jesus and he humbled himself on the cross and and he died, but then God raised him from the dead. And then Paul says, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Where? In heaven. And on earth. And even under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He, they understood there's this spiritual world at play around us. We may not see it. But it's there. And then in Ephesians, he would say it this way. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You and I are not enemies. We're fighting against something else. We're fighting against the evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I heard it put this way once. We are not physical travelers on a spiritual journey. We are spiritual travelers that just happen to be currently on a physical journey. We cannot neglect the spiritual side of things. We cannot just assume that what we see is all there is, and so I'm living a pretty good life. The question is, are you being a troublemaker for the enemy? Are you so invested in the team, so to speak, That the evil forces are trying to figure out, how do we slow that person down? If we're not careful, everybody's going to learn about Jesus. What do we do to stop him? How are we going to slow her down? What are we going to do about the situation? So here's my story. I grew up in a Christian family. And I asked Jesus into my heart at an early age, probably third, fourth, fifth grade. I don't remember exactly. But I do remember that I was on a teen tour one time. We had a a big youth group, and so we would take a choir tour, and we would sing at different churches, and we were heading up the northeastern side of the U.S., and so we were in Pennsylvania, and we were actually sleeping at the church. That's what you did back then. You know, the teen choir would roll in, and they'd sing a song, and then everybody would have, you know, You'd have your sleeping bag, and everybody would be sprawled out all over the church, and that's what you did. And so we would always have devotionals after the service, before it was lights out. And I remember this one guy, and his name was Rob. And we were having this Bible study, and he just got so excited. And for you older people, you'll know what I'm talking about. He just started going, woo! 
Woo! And he just got so excited and just so animated. And, and it got everyone going, like, yeah, that's awesome. Yes, yes, God. And I remember going out with my buddy Chad and two others. And we went outside the church. And we said, It's time to get real. It's time to give God everything. I don't want just the forgiveness. I want all of God, and I want God to have every part of me. So on July 26, 1986, behind a, a bus in Pennsylvania, I told Jesus, I'm yours. And it doesn't mean that I didn't have problems, and it doesn't mean that I didn't make mistakes, and it doesn't mean that there weren't troubles, and it doesn't mean that I didn't have issues that I was praying with God about and asking for forgiveness, but it did mean this. There was a resolve, I'm his. And I may have ups and downs. There may be games where I am lighting it up, and there may be games where I'm struggling, but I am in this for Jesus every time. I'm his. That's my story. Paul told his story a lot. If you read the book of Acts, Peter and Paul tell their story to everyone they can tell their story to. You can read Paul's story in Acts 22 if you want. You can read that later today. Sometimes they embellished it and added more details. Other times they just got straight to the point. But the most effective way that they got in the game, the most effective way that they shared about Jesus was they told their story. You have a story. Some of you have stories that are amazing because of the things that God has saved you from. Some of your stories are amazing because of the things that God is still working on you with. Some of you have amazing stories because you have been spared from so many things and God has protected you and kept you away from things. But we all have a story. The question is, are you in the game sharing your story? We've been talking for the past few weeks about are you being salt? And if you're not being salt, what are you doing? If you're not adding these God flavors everywhere around you to the people that are thirsty and they're trying to find something that makes sense and you have the God flavors that they need, if you're not giving it to them, what are you doing? And last week we talked about your light. You're like this lighthouse, this beam of Jesus' love, and you're light. And people need to see the God colors in your life. And your life may be the lighthouse that points them to the one that can give them their light. And if you're not being the light, what are you doing? So I just wanted to make today very simple because... I know a lot of times we say, oh, well, you know, I'll teach you the ABCs so that you can tell people the ABCs of being saved. Or let's walk down the Romans road and I'll I'll teach you how to save people. And there are a lot of great programs and great ways to tell people about Jesus. But you want to know what the best way is, in my opinion, and the most effective way? Tell your story. Your story is powerful. If Jesus has saved you, your story is extraordinary. It may not have a lot of bells and whistles, but it's worth hearing. And you may not have all the answers, and you may say, well, I don't know. What if they ask me this, and I don't know the answer? Well, then my advice is tell them, I don't know the answer. There's no shame in telling them you don't know something. But I'll tell you what there's very little that they can dispute. It's your testimony about what God has done to you in your life and through your life because it's your story. So share it. 
We are called to be salt. We're called to be light. We are called to be these agents of change in the world around us. And if we are ever going to embrace all that Jesus is, all that we talked about in the Beatitudes and all that he wants us to be, we can't keep it to ourselves. I love how the message puts it. We're going public. It's like, it's like we're not bushel hiding anymore. This is big news, and we're shining everywhere, and we're telling everyone, and we're spreading the salt anywhere it will fall, and we don't know how it's going to affect other people. That's not our responsibility. We are only called to be salt and light, and we trust the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. So in about four or five minutes, we're going to head to Torinita and South Atlantic, and we're going to have some baptisms because we have two uh, gentlemen today that have said, I've got a story and I am ready to share it. I'm going public. I want people to know that I'm all in for Jesus, just like I'm going all in the water. I'm his. I'm all in. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect, but it means that God is going to be transforming me and God is going to be growing me and God is going to be making me more into his image and God is going to be bringing out more salt flavors in my life and God is going to be spreading more light through me to a dark world that needs to hear it. And I'm not just going to be one of the 13 that is a non-factor in this spiritual life. I'm going to be the Michael Jordan. I'm going to be the one that the devils are in the back room saying, I don't know what we got to do, but we got to stop that person because if we don't, we're in big trouble. And I'm excited that we have two guys today that are going to do that because that's their story. So as I was thinking about this, I thought of the song, and sing it with me if you know it. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, born of His Spirit, and washed in His blood. So sing with me. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day Stand with me. Let's let's just let's finish by singing one song about God's goodness. This is our story. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercies never fail me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up. Till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing your story out. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath. Goodness. I love your voice. You have led me. 
our story. You are good. Your goodness is running after us. And I pray that you help us to surrender to it. We pray that you'll be with us as we go to these baptisms. Help us to remember our baptism. And I pray that you will help us pray this in your name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. It's a weird ending to a service, but we're going to gather in our cars. We want everyone that's able to, to join us because we believe that baptism is a community event because we are saying we want to disciple you and we want you to be part of helping disciple us. This is a, it's a holy sacrament. So we're going to go to the beach We're going to have baptisms. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is a special day because in the Church of the Nazarene, we have two sacraments that we recognize, and we're doing both of them today. Man, I thought I'd get a little bit more out of y'all. Come on, we're doing both of them today. And so we're going to go to the beach, and we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is doing in the lives of these two amazing men. And then we're going to go this week, and we're going to be light, and we're going to be salt, and we're going to tell our story because that's what we're called to do Jesus I pray that you will make us those types of people Amen let's sing our uh, benediction even though we may sing it out there at the beach as well but sing with me we sing hallelujah let your kingdom come in our hearts in our homes let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go this week and shout and proclaim your story. We'll see you in a few minutes at the beach. If you need to know where we're going, just follow the caravan. <laughs>